0: Hello, and welcome to East Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we've seen Argyle, which has been taking a bit of a beating, sort of online and critically. People don't really seem to like it. I was prepared for the worst. It's um, directed by Matthew Vaughan, uh, who's previously known Kingsman, and he was also known for being um, Guy Ritchie's producer, mm. back in the day.
1: It's interesting, because the f- the, the films resemble Guy Ritchie films.
0: Yeah, how do you reckon?
1: What was the, the um, last film, uh, the Guy Ritchie film with Henry Cavill as the Spider-Man from Uncle? Oh, yeah. Right. It's kind of, it's glamorous, it's slightly retro, it has ideas of Britishness, mm-hmm. uh, it's fast-moving, it's cheeky, uh, or it's tongue-in-cheek, yeah, it's fun, it's really kind of nothing serious. Um, so, I think it has a lot in common with those films, though I do think Guy Ritchie's films have more of a punch. Yeah,
0: I think he's a better director. Yeah. Um, although, I do think for someone who you know, began producing and has moved into directing, I do, I do tend to. I, I kind of. I think I go to Matthew Vaughan films thinking. They're not going to be very good. And I end up having quite a good time. And that was the case with this one. And there is something more to it than, certainly there's something more to it than everyone is responding to. It's not making very much money from what I understand. Although, I mean, the budget I think has been overreported. It's reported this is $200 million. It can't possibly be. That That I think is what Apple bought it for. It's not the same as what it cost to make. Um, still, it doesn't look like it's going to make very much money and it's taking kind of a beating. So let's just say briefly what it's about. Um... It's about this author who writes spy novels, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, and her novel appears to have come to life in some sense. She writes about this this spy um, played in the film by Henry Cavill called Argyle. And we see, you know, these these spy scenes playing out. The film opens with a, a classic spy action opening. Mm. There's all sorts of you know kind of bond and, and man from uncle and things like that going on. It turns out that spies are after her and she's got herself embroiled in something. Any more than that would be Spoiler Territory. We will get into Spoiler Territory very quickly. Um, I I, I was pretty charmed by the whole thing. More than I expected to be, you know?
1: Um, I think it's a mess. I thought it was too long. Uh, I thought the cast was ill-used. And in spite of that, it had some really fun moments. Yeah. Yeah. um,
0: when you get to those action scenes towards the end especially the one where it's, they're using smoke to cover themselves and they're shooting and they're dancing at the same time I thought this is really imaginative and a lot of fun it's well choreographed I love the look of it no one else is doing things like this
1: I love the idea of it I thought it was poorly executed yeah. um, and the I, skating I love the
0: skating bit yeah? yeah skating was great that was like thrilling actually it was so much fun uh, I was yeah. just in it you know like I thought if I'd been in a bad mood coming up to this I'd have thought wow this is stupid but I was in a good mood coming up to it I was into the movie and this was all just working for me really well I found it really funny and exciting and well, I you know, kind of witty I, I kind
1: of agree with you right like it has those things mm. but I think one you know one can't get rid of the things that I thought didn't work so for example the biggest star in the film is arguably Cavill right Uh, And John Cena. And, you know, they're used as kind of background, imaginary figures. And, you know, particularly uh, Cavill is meant to be the ideal imaginary version of... um,
0: Argyle, the spy? Uh,
1: Yeah, Argyle is meant to be the ideal, her ideal anyway. And then it turns out that he's sometimes shown to be uh, the ideal of Sam Rockwell, right? Yeah, kind of they're juxtaposed with each other in action sequences. Mm. And, you know, so kind of theoretically it makes sense. On paper it makes sense. But then you have Cavill with the worst haircut I've ever seen in a major star in a cinema, wearing ill-fitting clothes that make him look fat, right? Right. you know, so I just... I, the clothes I, weren't Those great. things bothered point, me, really.
0: There was dialogue that pointed out the clothes at one point, something about the suits that he wears, and I thought, the suit didn't look great, though. It didn't... You get There was one particular shot, a full-body shot of him, stood there, and it didn't look great, and I thought, that's that's a real... That's an error, you know? <laughs> well, for, <laughs> a, for a
1: Kingsman film that pays so much attention to British tailoring... Yeah. And, you know, things being so precise... And, it needed to be better than that. Yeah, the I The haircut
0: mean, I liked, you know, I thought it's silly, liked it.
1: I didn't. I thought it made him look unattractive, and it's a really bad haircut. Yeah, it's uh, great. Well, not in terms of what he's meant to represent. It's not great. Nah. You, know, you might enjoy, you might get a kick out of seeing Henry Cavill look ugly, but you know, that's ugly. not what the film is meant to do with that. I don't
0: think he looked <laughs> ugly. He looked kind of daft. I mean, the film is not just parodying or kind of building on kind of Bond and Spies, although it's mostly doing that. There's an element of kind of 80s action in there as well, and that haircut comes straight from that. You
1: know. no 80s film star looks as bad as Henry Cavill does in this movie well, okay
0: whatever um, I don't think it's a minor point um, I, don't
1: think, I don't think it's a minor point I think it's, it's part of what's wrong with the film yeah that kind of it's not paying attention to those things and it has an idea that then it kind of uh, executes very poorly and that is it I mean if you're going to have Henry Cavill as the Bond uh, sleek sexy spy uh, then you don't you dress him like that, and you don't give him that haircut. Mm. It destroys the concept.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I disagree with you that it destroyed the concept, um, but fine. What about Bryce Dallas Howard? You know, I kind of want to be sensitive about how I say this, but I like the fact that someone, that a woman who is of a normal human size is allowed to appear on screen, allowed to do action, allowed to be a sexy, you know, what, by the end when she's wearing that dress. You know, I, I really like that. It just, because I'm not calling her fat, I'm saying that she just like looks like a normal person, a mm. body type and body size, <laughs> and and I like the and I think she looked great, and I was distracted by how beautiful she was at points.
1: Well, again, I didn't feel the same way. Um, I thought there was a lot of hiding of her weight, of you know, wearing blankets and uh, uh, things like that. Um, I thought the scene, particularly when she goes from being the shy librarian, you know, to being the action kind of star I thought her makeup didn't do her any favors um I hated those leggings that she wore throughout but leggings. My, the jeans. yeah no when she wore dresses and she wore stockings right, over okay, them, yeah. right which were very unflattering and I think kind of the the worst bit for me was you know so, there used to be a real pleasure in seeing Jackie Gleason in The Honeymooners, right? Mm. Because he was very fat, but he was immensely agile, right? And he would knock you out, really. Mm. But, you know, with his flexibility and his movement, he just moves so beautifully, right? And so, um, the thing with Bryce Wells Howard in this film is that she doesn't, you know, she waddles through it. Yeah, I looked that. I didn't. Okay, well, there you go.
0: I love that, you know? Well,
1: she's meant to be an action star being able, she doesn't
0: work later
1: on. Well, she does. Yeah, those scenes with the uh, uh, gold lame dressing gown, she's running and You know kind of she'd be taken out in a nanosecond. So, (laughs) you know, um, I thought it was an interesting again An interesting idea right to have like you said someone normal size be kind of like an action star but I think she needs to have moved better than she does in this film to accomplish that, or to convince me of that.
0: Yeah, all right. I mean, the thing is, she becomes an action star, like in terms of her character fully adopting and rem- you know, the whole thing is her getting her memory back of her having been a spy previously, mm. and it's not an instant thing. You know, it takes time for her to rebuild that confidence, mm. and by the time she does towards the end, which I think really comes to like full fruition in those scenes, the smoke, gunfire battle. And the skating scenes. The that's skating, when, that's the skating when the skating was the best scene. That's when that's at its kind of full fruition, and that's when she's she's moving the best.
1: Well, yes, I mean, I think in the skating rink, in the skating thing, definitely. And actually, that brings up again kind of the problems with her movement on her feet as opposed to her movement on in her skates. You know, I thought she was great in the skates.
0: Really. Yeah. Well, that's assuming she did any of the skating. I mean. I mean, one thing, and I kind of mentioned this when we were talking about Wonka, was the the way British CGI looks in particular. There's there's a particular phoniness to the way British CGI looks, and I really associate it with Matthew Vaughan's films in particular. It happens quite a bit in Kingsman because he he orchestrates these quite elaborate and thought through action scenes. If you think about Kingsman films, you've got the one which is supposed to look like a single take in the church where Mm. he murders everybody. Um, You've got. Uh, The bar scene, which they kind of reenact once or twice throughout the films, where, you know, manners maketh man and then he beats up everyone in the pub. I love the ideas of these scenes, and I do like the way they look in some respects, and I like the way they're executed. But there's a way in which the camera is constantly moving. You can tell it's not just it. You you can see how things have been sort of stitched together. You can not see exactly. You can say, oh, yeah, they've done this, this and this. But you can tell that things have been stitched together in the way that any film is stitching, you know, kind of visual elements together in post-production to make these things happen. But there's something much more obvious about the the way it looks in these films, and it happens here as well. I mean, that whole opening scene—you've got an awful lot of that of shots of Argyle. I can't remember the shots exactly, but it's things like, like the camera tracking in and tracking out, and you know that they're kind of manipulating visual elements in order Mm. to composite all this. But it. It just doesn't look right. No, to, to me, it,
1: uh, it, ha- it has a... I mean, I was surprised by the budget because, you know, to me it has kind of a cheap look. And I think by what I'm meaning by cheap is a little bit what you're meaning. So on the one hand, it's meant to be these very rich, glossy-looking places and furniture and, yeah, it's, mm. it's meant to have a rich look. And yet it feels thin and stitched together somehow. Um, I I, I can't be more precise than that, but, you know, it looked a little bit like it was over-CGI'd
0: cheaply. Yeah, I continue to have this problem with these films, and this is another example of it. The thing is, I really didn't like it when it was, you know, that opening scene, for instance. When you got to uh, the scene with the smoke, which, again, is, like, obviously very fake smoke, I really enjoyed it, because I enjoyed the way it looked, and I liked the fact that it had this... Really clear sense of what the scene was supposed to be, and the fact that you're not going to be able to do that as well as clearly with real smoke, you know, especially about the smoke is so richly coloured. Um, I really enjoyed it, you know. So, like, uh, there are times when it kind of it came around to me, and also, I suppose that I think the thing is that, that the smoke and I suppose the oil as well in the, in the skating scene is so clearly um, a computer generated element of the image then I don't mind it. Whereas when it's real shots, you know, mm. of people that have been kind of put together and, and, and stitched together and things, it, it's harder to to get that past you in a sense. Mm. You know, whereas when something just starts off as obviously CGI, I kind of don't mind that it's then CGI throughout. Mm. You've, you've kicked it off by being that way. And I, I kind of, you know, I always... I, did I did I mind the fact that the cat appears to never be a real cat? Is <laughs> constantly
1: CGI. Oh, I, that I didn't mind. You know,
0: maybe it's okay again that the cat is just like, even when it's not doing stuff that you would not put the cat in the scene for because it's too dangerous. You know, so obviously you're going to to insert a digital model there. But like, it's the cat jumping up on the table and and, you know, Sam Rockwell playing with it. Like, you don't need to have a computer-generated cat for that, but like, I think they did. And maybe that's okay, you know? Yeah,
1: it must have been, and I didn't mind that at all, actually. Um, I thought I mean it's interesting what you're saying about the scene Mm. the shootout with all the multicolored smoke Mm. because I love the concept and I love the look but there was something about the movement that felt a bit jiggery you know the movement of the actors that wasn't precise and that it felt like I love the idea of it Mm. but I just wish they'd taken greater care yeah and kind of brought out more qualities in their concept yeah that kind of were there to be to be brought out. It kind of, you know, it lacked a certain precision and elegance, really, even though the concept was, was great. Um, and, and I liked the scene very much, I but yeah. I also thought it's kind of, you know, it's not quite right. And, you know, that's maybe something about um, Matthew Vaughn's films uh, in general, really.
0: I know what you mean. But that, that concept is really strong for me and it works right. And, and the idea of, you know, this, this kind of basically... A love scene, you know, you end up with the smoke in the shape of a heart, and they're dancing romantically. Through, well, romantically, um, but they're they're dancing together, you know, kind of in a in an orchestrated manner. They know what each other's doing, and they're fighting together. And then they and they, they incorporate, you know, murdering lots and lots of henchmen into this. I think it's just a wonderful idea, and I do like the way it's it's, it's played, mm. and I found it really funny. You know I mean I was laughing through it and in fact, I was uh, Sam Rockwell really made me laugh pretty much throughout I think he's such a good, actor, he is such a good he's, actor he's got a great presence in this i i like um I like the transitions the film does in the kind of early section when you don't really know what's going on and Ellie the um bright Star's hard character is is finding herself in over her head and when she sees this action taking place in front of her on the train and in that room um you switch back and forth you know, she imagines. Uh, Henry Cavill, Argyle, in the place of um, Sam Rockwell's Aidan, and then you, know, you you kind of you switch back and forth, and it's done with blinks. You can see from her perspective, the camera like it it blinks in front of you, right? It goes black and and switches actor, and you know I like the idea. I think it's executed quite well. And then what I really like, and what made me laugh, is how she imagines Henry Cavill. He's always looking at her for one thing. Like it's the action. Like he's doing the action for her. Tava was
1: very good, also. at yeah. Playing that up, really. and he's
0: aware of her, and he's doing it in with. A, you know, he almost has a smirk on his face the whole time. He's very competent and so on. And then you'll cut back essentially to Sam Rockwell, and he's getting the shit beat now. So he's doing effectively the same thing, but he is like he is not sort of suave and smooth and stuff because he's actually getting the shit beaten out of him and he's not fit you know what I mean mm. like there's that shot where he, he gets exploded through the wall by the grenade and he lands in the chair and Cavill lands in the chair and he's quite smooth with it and you cut back to Sam Rockwell and he's got this ridiculous look on his face because yeah. he's just been exploded by a grenade
1: I thought that was very good I
0: think that's re- it's really funny I really enjoyed that and but Sam Rockwell and then he dances and I love I mean you don't see much of it but I love the way he dances when he's luring her onto the dance floor Sam Rockwell is a wonderful bad dancer he's so free in all his films, he does it a lot. He's a very funny, free dancer. Well, I thought part
1: of the problem with Bryce Dallas Howard as an action star was also indicated by, you know, that um, the way that the dance was filmed, mm. you know, because it's all upper body. It's like, you know, you never really see her move until that last shot where she's got her legs kind of, you know. Uh, when she's up on her shoulders. Yes, yeah, uh, splayed out. Um, but, you know, that's 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 a scene of movement in which kind of you barely don't get... Well, you don't get to see the movement. You get to see the the last bit of, of each movement. Mm. Uh, and I thought kind of so much of it in close-up was a mistake.
0: I'm trying to think of why people are being so mean or dismissive or whatever to this film online. Because I think if you, if you let a lot of things go and just allow the film to be kind of a mess and kind of wacky, which I think it is... Um, I think you can really get into it, as I did. And I wonder whether people are getting so, so obsessed with the reality, quote-unquote, of what the film is telling us. So basically, there's a whole question throughout who is Argyle. And this, this question kind of keeps coming back, because although it is if ultimately established that uh, Argyle is Ellie Conway and her real name is Rachel Kyle, so R. Kyle, mm. and that's the that's the reveal, which I don't mind. I, I don't mind a, you know, a, a silly name reveal sometimes. Mm. Um, right at the very end of the film, when you think everything's kind of been settled, uh, Ellie, or Rachel there, is giving another book reading and we see Henry Cavill in the real world with long, scraggly hair and he doesn't look right, but it's still clearly Henry Cavill. He stands up and is indicating that he is real in some way. And of course, that's the, the the cliffhanger or the weirdness that the film ends on. And then there's a mid credit scene, which is setting the film within to some extent the Kingsman universe, such as it is, um, which is set 20 years ago, and in which, in a pub, the Kingsman, a young lad, it gives like a code word, receives you know a silenced pistol, and says that his name is Argyle. Mm. So there's some reality going on here somewhere along the line. Um, and I think people are getting very obsessed with that. You know, it's it's a real kind of hangover of the MCU and that sort of thing of, like, what you know, how is this all going to tie in and what's the reality and what does this plot detail mean and so on. But I think a, a kind of a looser viewing of the film doesn't bother you. It, it doesn't bother me what the reality is going to be. Maybe, you know, if they make another film, if it's all revealed, if it's developed, I'll see it and whatever, but I'm not going to obsess about it until that happens.
1: Well... The Thing is, it's a very derivative film. Yeah. Right? Hugely. You know, so uh you were mentioning earlier uh a kiss The Long Kiss Goodnight. The Long Kiss Goodnight. Which you've just been watching. Yeah. Uh it borrows a certain premise of that The Amnesia, the Secret Agent, yeah, the Samuel L. Jackson you said. It's also very <laughs> much romancing the stone, yeah, where Kathleen Turner is this kind of novelist who fantasizes, you know, mm. her ideal romance. And um it just feels kind of derivative of cheap, really.
0: It's hugely derivative, but I really didn't mind that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, kind of... I think the reason why people are being so hard on it is that it's derivative, that it has a kind of a cheapness around it, mm. right? And that includes the cast, I think, because, you know, on the one hand, it's an all-star cast, but it's a kind of a low-wattage all-star cast. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of Brian Cranston, right? Um the one I like best was Sofia Boutella. He, you know, the thing about Vaughn, I suppose, at this moment is that he is beginning to have a world, people by these characters. Yeah, Sofia Boutella, mm. uh, Samuel Jackson, etc. cetera. And, and again, the look of it, it aims to be slick and glamorous, but it isn't quite. It's a bit kind of tacky looking. I, so, sort of
0: know. I think that's a little unfair, but I don't know what you mean. Um, tacky, I think, is a little too much.
1: Well, you know, and just following up on your point of why people don't like it, and I suspect... And the length, bloody hell, it's long. How long is it, know? I wonder? Because um, I didn't
0: feel it was long, and this is something that I think... It's, oh yeah, it's two and... Uh, two hours, 20. It's long. Yeah, but I, I didn't feel it, that's the thing. And maybe that's another thing, is if you're into it, you don't feel it, and if you're not into it, you do. Yeah, I um, kind of... I but kind I do too. think that... The, so it's interesting. Is the film a parody of the things it's showing, or is it actually doing it? And I think what's interesting is that it's kind of both, and the fact that it doesn't flag up quite obviously that it's spoofing, to some extent, what it's showing you, is, I think, something that people are then taking a little more seriously than they otherwise would. For instance, you've got the scene where Catherine O'Hara and Brian Cranston reveal, it is revealed, that they're not her real parents, and Mm. they're, in fact, the big baddies who we're going to have to deal with. And when Catherine O'Hara has a you know, puts a gun to Bryce Dallas Howard's head and then says lines like, I can't hardly remember what they are, but it's something like, I will enjoy killing you, or something like that. It's like, it is so over the top. It is such a silly, spy line that, great. that I thought, okay, this is obvious parody. It's very funny. We're not although we are meant to take this seriously insofar as the film is actually showing us this plot development, it's also silly. And the film kind of knows that it's silly and and spy movie-ish. And I think the fact that it only does that a little bit and doesn't go full throated on the, the parody means that people are kind of thinking it's just a bad spy movie instead of a a knowing parody to some extent?
1: I don't know, because the thing is it's part of the Kingsman universe. All the Kingsman films are spoofs. So, you know, why people wouldn't expect this to be a spoof, I I I, but I think they surprises the me
0: I think they're the same. Are uh, They spoof elements, but they also build on them. I think those films are genuinely trying to excite you with a spy narrative. I
1: think the first one tread that line much better than this one does. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, so, but I think that's interesting
0: and I think that's something people aren't responding to and I think actually that's more their fault than the films for, for just being well, a little unfair to I, it.
1: I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, it's a mess of a film. It's what? It's a mess of a film, I think. Yeah. So it's not, it's not people's fault that this kind of really long spoof with great ideas that are not very well executed is like, a, you know... I didn't think it a, was a mess as much a as anyone else. trial to watch. <laughs> I didn't
0: think it was a mess as much as anyone else. That's the thing. Like, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't then go and say it achieves everything it means to with perfect clarity or something like that. You know, I wouldn't say that either. But I don't think it's as much of a mess as you think. I think it's kind of the film it, need, it intends to be. Um, you know, the fact that it has so many twists and they can, they keep on coming, I think is part of that, is it a parody, is it not? It's kind of, it is genuinely giving you twist after twist. Mm. But it's also parodying the fact that these films are full of twists.
1: Mm. I mean, you know, I did enjoy quite a, a, a lot of things on it. You know, the moment where John Cena picks up Dua Lipa from the motorcycle, the fight on the train... Uh, that uh, fight sequence with the neon smoke and the skating scene, I I very much enjoyed all of those. But the film also lost me at various times. Yeah. Um, And I did kind of look at my watch, really. Uh, I did find it long. Um, So...
0: I think there are definitely times where it can do with a little less exposition. Um, There are one or two points where it's handled... So essentially the point where um, it is revealed to her who her... Original uh, real identity is, and then you get Samuel Ockwell having to l- deliver quite a lot of dialogue to get this through. And it, it, you know, it takes a long time to do that. And it feels, f- it, I mean, the, that scene, that whole segment, where, which is where you meet Samuel l. Jackson, starts off in, you know, a kind of ominous way when you've got her meeting um, Samuel l. Jackson. His name is, um, it's the same as the cats uh,
1: <laughs> Alfie.
0: Alfie, yeah. And she no and then she goes, Alfie Solomon, you're the, the the former deputy director of the CIA, and it's like, like there's a, there's another way to deliver that line, that mm. deliver that information, you know, and it, so it starts off. You, you go, okay, well that was pretty clunky, and then more clunkiness in that scene is yet to come. Yeah, um, and the so
1: last the last fight on the battleship was quite clunky. I mean, that should have been more romantic, more intense, more threatening. You know, and it wasn't, and you know, I I didn't um, find uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard particularly convincing switching from one persona to the other. uh, Well, it's a scene in
0: which you never are convinced that the worst thing could happen. Mm, That's that's a a problem.
1: True. You know. Yeah. So um, this is a film I would not recommend, um, though. You know. That's
0: ridiculous. Not
1: recommend. I would not. um, After some
0: of the shit we've seen lately, and you said go and see it.
1: Uh, well, with this one, I feel don't. I, uh, I think if, you, if it happens to be on TV, I think people will enjoy some scenes and they can drift in and out of it and <laughs> kind of you know, enjoy whatever moment they find enjoyable. Uh, but I did find it a bit of a trial to sit through at the cinema.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I had a really good time. I liked it much more than I expected I would. You know, thank you to everyone on Twitter for, for giving me the lowest expectations possible because it's not as bad as all you fucking idiots think. It's fine. <laughs> and, um, it's really fine. It's incredibly wa- that's again the thing with Matthew Vaughan's films, is they always turn out to be incredibly watchable. And I you know, I have had the experience of Kingsman and the various Kingsman sequels having been on T V and I sit through them. Layer cake not so much. I mean that one is fucking incomprehensible and, and I mean, that one really is sub Guy Ritchie, you know, because it's like London gangster stuff, and you think Guy Ritchie is so much better than this. But the rest of Matthew Vaughn's films, I'm really all right with, and this is another one.
1: I largely feel that way about all of them, including Layer Cake, but this one lost me. So, um, yeah. But there you go. So, a divided uh,
0: podcast. Certainly. Uh, I I have one um, thing. Of the of the MCU obsessive what is the real truth thing, which is now that the, the, because in that post credit scene the film reasonably explicitly is setting itself in the Kingsman world. Samuel L. Jackson has already been in the Kingsman world; he was the villain in the first one, and so are we expected to believe there are two Samuel L. Jacksons now? And is that going to come back? I mean, dual identities and shit. Well, it
1: looks like there might not be a sequel to kind of let us know. So. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's, yeah,
0: the film continues to do badly.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on
0: Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter at eavesdropmovies and Blue Sky, uh, eavesdropping.bsky.social. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank
1: you very much. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye.